If, if you do keep this in, I would like the audience to know that comics notoriously do not read emails. Oh, right. Especially if they're longer than three paragraphs. No, it's totally fine. But let the record also show that both of you, uh, comedians, were on time for this. And that is mm-hmm. something to be celebrated mm-hmm. above anything else. That is not something that happens. That's funny because if this was like in real life, I would probably be 40 minutes late. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the being in New York to me being in Bloomington, Indiana. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? Humble brag, humble brag. I see you out there in Indiana, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is, as we learned, on Eastern time. Yes, we did learn this. And, you know, last episode I was bragging about being in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic, and now... Bloomington, Indiana, City of Lights. You know, <laughs> equally beautiful beaches in both places. So, <laughs> I am having a lovely time. I'm here for a Potterless Live Show tour. Got a show in Indy tonight. And one of my buddies from high school, an old basketball bud, lives in Bloomington. He's a PhD student at, uh, or I, sorry, he's a PhD grad worker. I've heard they are calling them grad workers now in part of oh. protests because schools don't want to pay them. So like, shout out to that PhD grad worker at Indiana University, big old Hoosier town. Very cool. I've actually, apparently, one of the best comedy clubs in the country is in Bloomington, Indiana, the Comedy Attic. I have not been, but I've heard it's really good. All right. Well, I'll have to check that out. But I know you won't, but that was very polite. <laughs> I mean, if the opportunity arises, unfortunately, I could have, <laughs> if I learned this earlier, but alas, I have the show tonight and then I take a bus at six in the morning to Chicago tomorrow. So. Another humble brag. <laughs> Shubes takes the bus. <laughs> but something I did do in town while I was here was go to the Indiana Fever game, the WNBA team. They played the Phoenix Mercury. I got to see Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith and Tina Charles. And because the Fever are not very good, the tickets were very cheap. So me and my buddy splurged and by splurge we still didn't hit triple digits of ticket prices and we sat courtside and it was wonderful it's pretty awesome i will say just following through your instagram posts first of all the parking situation looked very strange it was uh second of all amazing to see diana tarazi that close where you could literally like reach up and give her a high five you probably shouldn't but you could have mm-hmm. if uh, i was rude i could yeah. have reached out and touched her <laughs> sure but then also it just seemed like no one was there and that makes me really sad the attendance wasn't terrible um there were a lot of fans there for the Mercury. It's definitely a smaller arena, but it was a Wednesday night game. But the attendance was still like pretty good. The seating arrangement in the venue was kind of weird, where I think they only had people on the side. So there was a lot of people behind me. That's good. Now, was it where the Pacers play or a separate arena? It was not. It was at the Indiana Farmers Fairgrounds, or I think technically the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, which is within the fairgrounds. So it's at the place where they do the state fair. So that's why the parking, we were just Ah. in this big empty lot with a giant outdoor bleacher thing and then just a field. I guess they do rodeo stuff out there. But then we had to walk from that into the indoor arena where they also have a local hockey team play, like a minor league hockey team. Mm. And then I guess some indoor rodeo events. So if you're doing horse races and stuff, that could be inside. Definitely very interesting. Not where the Pacers play, but it was still pretty cool. Our courtside seats were obviously great, and you could hear the players talking trash. You could feel the feet running and the ball dribbling, which I didn't anticipate because yeah. you were just sitting in a chair on yeah. the hardwood. And we even got to 
walk through a tunnel to get to our seats that said player personnel and team personnel only. Like it was some VIP mm. entrance where like it wasn't like we were on some sort of red carpet or anything, but we did kind of walk through a hallway thing that looks like when the players are coming through and it's all concrete and, you know, behind the scenes looking. We had a, a brief dip through that on the way to our seats, which was super cool. That's very cool. And that was your first time sitting courtside at any game, right? Ever. Closest I've ever yeah. been. I honestly have not been even in the lower bowl in a lot of arenas. I think the previous closest game was when you and I allegedly snuck down from our nosebleed seats in the Barclays Center to watch the Nets and the Bulls, allegedly, when we snuck to, I think, at like the 10th row back in midcourt. Oh, there's nothing alleged about it. There's nothing alleged about <laughs> it, my friend. It absolutely happened. Uh, I have learned that if you do things confidently, no one says anything to you. You know what? The, the Nets could use some fans. They can come get me if they want to. <laughs> yeah, and this was pre-KD and Kyrie Nets, so it was certainly a bit sparse. But yeah, I mean, being that close is really cool. It was just so fun to be able to hear the players talking to each other or arguing with the refs. There were some really good performances. Tina Charles played incredibly well. Kelsey Mitchell from the Fever just put the team on her back after halftime. They were down by like between 15 and 20. She was like, all right, I'm taking over. And she made the next seven shots for the Fever. It did was, the Fever win? They did not win. The Mercury were able to hold them off, but... It looked like it was going to be a blowout. And then Kelsey Mitchell said, actually, I'm very good at basketball and I don't care that everyone else on my team is a rookie. I'm taking over. And then she just kind of went one on five against the Phoenix Mercury and it worked for a little bit. It was wow. a really fun game. So we are going to talk about how the finals concluded, but we're going to talk about that after our interview because our interview was recorded even earlier before game five took place. And we have a Warriors fan representative and a Celtics fan representative. And we talked about predictions and some other fun stuff. So chronologically and in a non-spoilery way, in case you don't know how the finals ended, we are going to have that interview first. Then Adam and I will talk about it. But before we do any of that, we got to get ready in the Teal Memorial locker room. Teal's doing great. Teal loved the finals. Now, when you were in that little player's entrance, did that lead to the Teal Memorial locker room? There was a couple unmarked doors, so maybe it was one of those. But ah. we wanted to watch the players warm up, so we just went straight to our seats. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know who else is enjoying the entertaining lives that they have? You know, probably our patrons and even more specifically, our newest upgrade to a producer level patron. How about that? Yeah. So we have new patrons, Michelle, a.k.a. Hobby Horse, and Liv, a.k.a. Round Mound of Rebound, the Love iconic it. Charles Barkley nickname. And shout out to our newest producer level patron. It's Nicole Arsenal, who upgraded to the producer level status. So thanks, Nicole. Yeah, thank you, Nicole. Mm -hmm. And thank you to our existing list of producer level patrons. Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, He Sells Seashells, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang. Long-suffering Timberwolves fan, Rose Beef Debris, Kate the Conqueror, Basketball is Life 2, Michaela Loves Allison, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Borgeli, Weird Questions, Chris Rossi, Mitch Chrysler, Steph Curry for four rings, question mark? Bang! Oh, <laughs> puts it in! Manu Ginobili and now Nicole Arsenault. I'm glad you did the puts it in because you made me laugh. <laughs> 100% of the time when we did that, when we watched Game 5 together. <laughs> I don't know how I hadn't picked up on that, but i that's my favorite Breen thing is when he like laughs his way into a call. Yes! It's really satisfying. Mike Breen laughing is so great. As we've discussed, it's so fun to watch basketball players do something that causes you to laugh. And for the broadcaster who watches the most basketball imaginable out of any yeah. person, like career minutes watched has right. to be up in the all-time category. 
for him to laugh during a play is it's just so great to be to acknowledge with a laugh. How did oh, yeah. you do that? It's it's either on puts it in or he'll go, oh, it's good. <laughs> quality stuff. Now, speaking of quality stuff, we've got a sponsor for this episode and it's Shaker and Spoon. Now, let's say you were rooting for a team in the NBA finals. And after the finals are over, you were very excited as a team fan to celebrate your team's victory. Or if you are less excited about your team's <laughs> loss and you want a drink to make you feel a little better. You can go sign up for Shaker and Spoon at shakerandspoon.com slash horse. You'll get 50% off a box. And what Shaker and Spoon does is they send you a box of all of the ingredients and the instructions to make four servings of three different drinks that all use the same liquor. All you got to do is get a bottle of booze. They send you everything else. And the drinks that they have you make are all very different from each other, which is very fun. So it's a fun learning experience. You can make cocktails for yourself, for friends, whatever. And if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse, you'll get $20 off your first box. Boxes are about 40 to 50 bucks. So you're getting about 50% off. Pretty good deal. So check out shakerandspoon.com slash horse if you want to celebrate or drown your sorrows in a fun, classy manner today. And before we wrap up here, I want to thank Multitude for having us as a part of the collective. If you want to help Multitude and help Horse, take the Multitude survey. It's the best time of the year. It's Multitude Survey Summer. And it's your chance to give us feedback on what you think of Horse and any other Multitude show that you listen to and what you'd like to see from us in the future. So all you need to do is go to multitude.productions/survey. It's a quick little survey, and it really does help to get your feedback to know what you like about the show, what you wish we did more of, less of, anything like that. We got 1,200 responses last year, and we would love to beat that this time around. And it's a fun little questionnaire. Doesn't take long. Emojis are all over the place. It's a good time and you can access it at multitude.production slash survey. And if you fill that out, we would very much appreciate it. And now with that complete, we can get into our interview where we are going to talk with Josh Gondelman, resident Boston Celtics fan, and Dan Yang, resident Golden State Warriors fan, to see what they think about the series and maybe pitch why you should root for their team. And then after that, we'll talk about how the finals concluded. All right, folks, we are back with the aforementioned interview. There's going to be some prognosticating going on. We are recording this on Monday, June 13th, just a couple hours before Game 5. And joining us, we have a representative of the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics uh, in the form of comedians, one of whom you know, uh, Josh Gondelman, a comic and writer who has been on the podcast before, episode 81. Uh, we loved having Josh on, happy to have him back. And we also have a first-time guest, uh, my buddy Dan Yang, another very funny comic, who's going to be our Warriors representative. Uh, welcome to the pod, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for having me. I like that it was uh, one that you know and one that you have no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, I didn't know which one was which. <laughs> Like, I know I've been on the podcast before, but I'm like, I don't, they must, they must know Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't know Dan, you're going to know Dan now. Uh, we're going to see how chippy this gets, but we thought it would be fun uh, to basically find out the Monday before you are all listening to this, what these diehard fans think is going to happen. So, uh, Dan, I'm going to start with you. Give me a little context in terms of your relationship with the Warriors, how you came to be a Warriors fan. Uh, give us some some insight about that. So I was actually, this is a fun fact, not many people know this about me. I was born in Michigan and I moved to Illinois when I was young. And then I moved to the Bay Area when I was 10. So I'd say my formative years were in the Bay. I was at the age where I didn't, you know, I remember watching Jordan and all that, but I didn't really watch, watch basketball. But then every night the game that was on TV was a Warriors game. So I quickly became a Warriors fan, even though we had nothing really to be rooting for. I remember <laughs> notable things, Antoine Jameson dropping back-to-back 51 points. I remember Gilbert Arenas going off his first year, second round pick. 
Yeah. I remember Troy Murphy averaging like the weakest double double, like 10.1 in like 11. <laughs> and that was a big thing. Jason Richardson getting 25 a game and was like, why isn't he over, you know, Dwayne Wade and like first team and all that? But yeah, so I became Warriors fan. And then uh, the We Believe, I think that's really where like it turned everything into overdrive. I was going to school in LA at the time. Me and my roommate were both from the Bay Area. We drove up, got standing room only tickets with my brother. That was the uh, Baron Dunk on Karolinko game. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, actually, this is the shirt from uh, from that for the audio oh, lessons I got the Amazing. original We Believe. Which is funny. At the time, I remember I never wore it because it's a double XL, and now I've I've filled out enough where it fits regularly. <laughs> the, I feel like the We Believe merch is the true way to punch your "I'm a legitimate Warriors fan" card because that was it was 2007, and then the whole We Believe was they were the eight seed and they upset the one seed. I feel like the one true way to say hello, I'm not a front runner, is to have genuine We Believe merch. So oh, you've yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah. That's when we had the mascot Thunder. Who was like, oh, a, yeah. just like a jack guy with a lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Now, Dan, I assume you've been to a lot of games. Would you say that Baron Davis baseline dunk, which we'll definitely put a link to, by the way, for anyone who's not familiar, is that the loudest you've ever heard a stadium that you were in? I think so. Yeah, it was like everyone, entire NBA arena on their feet the whole game. It felt like if you've ever been in a college student section, but yeah. the entire place and that's kind of, I do feel with, um, I haven't been to the new San Francisco arena, but even the later days of Oracle as like prices rose and more tech moved in, I felt like it lost a little bit of that luster. Right. But yeah, I'd say that's definitely been one of the more energetic crowds I've been in. I think I just turned like 18 or 19 and me and my friends snuck in a bunch of alcohol. So we were definitely <laughs> yeah, one of those games. You know what? I, more power to you to not pay... $16 for a Bud Light. I think that's a great that's a great call. Yeah, you know, maybe if we had supported the arena, maybe they would have stayed. But. It is possible. that If you think about it from that perspective, it was kind of screwed up, actually. What Oakland yeah. needed was more underage drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you, you come up following the Warriors, and you, you very much, just by that explanation, have earned our respect as a Warriors fan. Um, the, what's the Steph Curry era been like for you? Yeah, uh, the that's... short answer is great, I assume. But yeah, it's been great. I remember like early on when it was uh, you know deciding between him and Monte Ellis, and he was Steph was always spreading his ankle, and he looked like a, a little child. And it's <laughs> it's crazy. I feel like I remember when uh, his daughter was born, and now his daughter's like getting older. Yeah. I feel like it's like my friend's daughter or something. <laughs> I know. I'm like tracking my own uh, decay based on Riley Curry's <laughs> <Yeah>. appearance. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's yeah, it's obviously been great. That first run, twenty fifteen, I I really like that. I feel like the KD years, I felt a little weird because even though I'm a Warriors fan, it felt like okay, best case is we win and we're supposed to win. Worst case is we lose and everyone makes fun of us, which happened in that three one year, mm -hmm. right? But uh, yeah, it's been fun and uh, I'm glad that we're back now. I'm glad that's kind of the OG drafted squad plus like the new guys who are all drafted. It's a very like mm -hmm. homemade team, as are the Celtics, and that's yeah, it is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a really like there's not a villainous team. I don't. And I say that no. as a Celtics fan who people consider the Celtics villains by virtue of their location within the city of Boston. <laughs> but it's not like a, a team like I feel like there was a rooting against the Nets the past few years by virtue of like their composition as a basketball team. And right. that, I, I don't think there's a team like that that's in the finals. Right. I feel like with Boston, it's kind of like how the current New York Yankees are baseball reference on the basketball podcast. Yes. <laughs> but with Boston, it's like they've won so many championships that people are like, okay, 
we're done with this, but when you actually look at the team, no one is really hateable. And that's kind of what's going on with the current Yankees. Like, are you really going to pretend to not like Aaron Judge? He's like a big, nice dude. But (laughs) people are still going to hit the Yankees because they are the Yankees and they're in New York and they've won a lot. Like, it's going to happen. But I think you guys are both right. When you look at these teams, the fact that there is no big free agent signing that happened or some big lopsided trade, nobody has a player that forced their way out. And I feel like that's what made the Nets unlikable or the Sixers like with the Harden thing. There's been no like gross ew way where someone got to the team. These teams, quote unquote, did it the right way and drafted their dudes and developed them. Yeah, 100%. And I think everybody across the NBA and the world is like, we are happy to see Clay Thompson healthy. Yeah, Anyone yeah. who's not happy about that, I don't understand where they're coming from. So Josh, back over to you. Uh, For anyone who perhaps didn't listen to our 81st episode, give us a little context in terms of your history with the the Celtics. I know you're a big uh, anything is possible guy, but... Yeah, big anything is possible guy. (laughs) I mean, so I I was born right at the tail end of the Celtics being really good in the 80s. And then by the time I was conscious, I like knew the mythology and like the legend of Larry Bird. (laughs) But visually, he was like a guy that moved like he had kind of the mobility of like a a rolling office chair, like just (laughs) like a little swivel. So I like never reaped the benefits of it consciously. But I like, you know, I think you grow up in Massachusetts and you kind of soak in a lot of like ambient sports fandom and basketball has always been kind of my sport above the others and so yeah really psyched I remember watching that 08 playoff run like I remember being in like weird places watching some of the games like I was I graduated college in 07 but in 08 I went back to campus for a concert and I like missed most of the concert because I was watching the um double overtime game against the Bulls in the second round that was an epic series the Ben Gordon game Yeah. yeah so like it's been a long time. And I i mean, I like this team. I was never like a breakup Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown guy. I'm like a giant Marcus Smart apologist. <laughs> um, and I did have doubts like at the beginning of this season with the, right. with the week start, especially with the new coach. I was like, oh, this guy just doesn't seem to have instilled the things he wanted to instill in them. Like whatever it was that that he was like, I'm coming in to do this. The results were like virtually identical to last right. year with coach Ime Udoka. And then they just took off like in January and it was wonderful, but it all, because it just seems like they were mediocre for like a year and a half, two years, and then just started playing well, it feels <laughs> still a little bit like, wait, what's happening? Even though it's been like five months uh, of like sustained, excellent play. So I'm like, right. I feel, I really have an appreciation and affection for this team, but I'm, I'm also not at a point right now where I'm like, they are a juggernaut and they are unstoppable. <laughs> now, what was your mindset at that point? Like, you know, mid to late January, they're still 500, basically. Were you like, well, this is probably a lost season or were you still positive about the team? I thought they could make some moves that would improve the team. Like they had a couple of guys playing for the team that were clearly like not long term fits, like especially Dennis Schroeder and um. And it seemed like maybe Josh Richardson, who also, you know, both of them got traded. And I felt like they were starting to play well. And I was like, oh, they're like bringing stuff to the table, but it just doesn't feel like cohesive. And like, maybe they can flip some of these guys. Like, I I don't think I said it publicly, but my quiet, (laughs) private opinion was like, if they're still like this, if they're still like just below 500, I was like, they should try to buy low on Ben Simmons Mm. and, and trade like 
smart who's my favorite player but i was like you gotta this is like a gamble and trade for simmons like smart hmm. draft picks and it'd be just because it was like well it seems like they're only gonna be as good as like these players playing to the top of their ability and i don't know what that looks like yet and now i've seen it and i'm like oh this is great i don't i am glad that they didn't make a hasty move but I, I did i was kind of hoping they would shake things up at least in terms of like getting rid of the players that they did move at the trade deadline because i they felt like it felt like when you eat a candy bar instead of lunch like that's when like every time dennis <laughs> Schroeder hit a shot you're like yeah that's like I made it through the day with a Snickers. <laughs> I feel like you touched on something interesting too that I feel like I forget as well as I would think many fans of any sports forget is, uh, yeah, your players can just start playing better and your team can yeah. just start playing better. <laughs> like something can just work and it's like, oh, maybe it was just one little move or like this guy, could, like Marcus Smart, I've actually been very impressed by this entire postseason. Yeah. In my head, he's maybe like, the most underrated player. Well, I'll go Andrew Wiggins as well. Wiggins is having a great, a great playoffs. Yeah. I, I think that that is, it really feels like obviously a credit to the players when they play well, that's who deserves it first and foremost, but it really does seem like they're responding to Ime Udoka's coaching and yeah. that they are playing in a way that they were not before. And like philosophically as in a team system and like individually, it's not like they were shooting badly and shooting better, but it's like when you see Marcus smart switch onto a smaller offense, first point guard and just kind of back him down to the block and take like a bank shot from four feet away. You're like, Oh, that's good offense from you. Not like a three pointer with 16 seconds left on the clock and like it's not like oh never shoot it's like shoot the shots where you have the advantage you know what yeah. i mean mm -hmm. just like yeah. play more to your strengths and i feel like the team has really started doing that again collectively and as individuals yeah i think i think that's a great point and i'm curious in so much as either of you can remember it what were your expectations coming into the season in general and then even once we were starting out with the playoffs like this to me is a surprising finals on both sides uh, even coming into the playoffs, I did not think we would be here. So as, you know, I assume fairly biased fans, did you think this was possible? I feel like me and Josh, sounds like we're similar in that. I'm always uh, hesitant to like root confidently for my team. I always expect <laughs> the worst because oftentimes that's Because you're happens. a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I yes. it's part of that for sure. Um, especially when I'm not a couple beers in, I'm very like hesitant to cheer, but I would say going into the season, I felt like we could be, you know, definitely make the playoffs, maybe top four, but I was scared of the East with like, even before the trades, it was like Sixers, Nets, Celtics were in the mix, but I guess it was mostly Sixers, Nets, Lakers in the West. Bucks, I assume. Bucks, yeah, Great. Bucks. Bucks coming off the championship. And, uh, I think once we kind of started clicking and then once it got into the playoffs and, you know, you saw how the Lakers were kind of crumbling and then in the West, it felt it was wide open. The Suns, I never truly felt like I was afraid of them. I was always kind of afraid of the Eastern teams more. I had a similar feeling with the Heat, who are a very good team, but I was like, yeah, they're the number one seed, but they're not like so clearly a number one. Like if the Bucks had been healthy all year and got the number one seed, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably the, the Bucks when healthy are such a great team and they just came off the finals. But with the heat i was like they always seem vulnerable and jimmy butler again had an incredible playoffs but like look i feel like i go too hard with the jimmy butler slander he had such a <laughs> great series almost sank the celtics basically single-handedly yeah but for a guy whose reputation is like the winning winner who only cares about winning it's like yeah he's been to the same number of nba finals as grant williams is he now the winningest winner <laughs> who's ever won winning yeah along those lines so in game in game seven it was in miami game seven of the conference finals 
Uh, Boston is at Miami. It looked like pretty much a wire-to-wire victory for the Celtics the whole way. And then in the last, I don't know, two, three minutes, the Heat closed the gap like furiously and then Butler had a chance to win it. So I assume you were watching that game. In those last few moments, what is your state of mind? What are you doing? Are you like pacing around the room? Are you flipping tables? What are you doing? I'm like sitting on the couch, just like gripping the couch (laughs) like it is a a stress ball the size of a couch, just like hands sunk into it because it really felt like they they could have lost that game easily. Yeah. I mean, Butler had that three that would have put them ahead, could have won the game as about what, six seconds left, 11 seconds left maybe because then there was yeah. the foul on smart. And it's like, yeah, that could have been the game and it, it wasn't. And so I was terrified for sure that that flurry was so big, but I also felt like it was a little overrated narratively, like practically they played very badly, but mm-hmm. like narratively of like, wow, the Celtics almost gave it away. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess they never trailed in an away game seven against (laughs) the number one seed and then they won so like i guess they almost didn't do that (laughs) it's like so i do feel like as people wanted to like judge the team on the last four minutes i was like this is agony watching them play (laughs) but i once it ended i was like a little surprised by the narrative of like wow the celtics almost gave away game seven where it's like no, Miami almost won, but then they didn't. Yeah. That series was so wild to watch because that series of like so many blowouts and like as a neutral fan watching that, you know, had some yeah. interest and also like I like put a little money on the either team here and there. Sure. And after one team blew the other team out, you you were like, oh, the Heat are like for real and the Celts yeah, are broken. Yeah. And then the next night, like, oh, the Celts are incredible and the Heat <laughs> are just... And it's like, oh, Jimmy Butler, look, truly, like on the games that he was playing well you're like this guy is like a one of the best five players in the league mm-hmm. and and then in the games he was you know he's a little hurt and i think ran out of gas like i think when people say he played however many good games i do think like if he was not burnt out from the injury and and being i think exhausted from like all 48 minutes right. in game seven i think they might have had a different ending because he definitely seemed to run out of gas oh, yeah. a little bit like well in those i would say two games to three games where he played wire to wire great you're like no, but basketball can't be played better than this. Like, right. truly incredible. Um, yeah. Right. And then they would lose by 20 in the next game. It was like chaos. It's so strange when the series is close, but the games aren't close. Like, yes. it goes seven games. Like, I would 100% take a four or five game series where all of the games are good versus a seven game series where it's like nothing's really that watchable. The Celtics Nets series was like much closer game to game, even though it was yeah. a sweep. Right. It was a four game sweep, but I think every game was like a less than double digits. So yeah. it's more watchable. Now, Josh, you brought up narratives before. And I think where we're recording this, I think this would be an interesting time for each Josh and Dan to plead your case in a world in which someone is watching now a tied series and they just want to pick some sort of team to root for. They know there's just three games left at this point. I, th- I would love for each of you to plead your case, not from a basketball perspective, but from like a from an here's why you should just rooting like here's why you should root for my team. Like, here's why the story is better if we win or why why we are more compelling from a fan neutral rooting perspective. Sure. Ple- plead your cases, each of you. I will say this from a, I've watched, you know, a various various sports and various like I've watched sports at the Warriors bar at a Celtics bar like. UCLA, what you named it. And I will say that every fan base is like extremely annoying. There's no <laughs> good fan base in any sport of any yeah, team. Yeah, that's evergreen. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I lived in Boston very briefly and that 08 Celtics team, they're really, 
they ride on that a little too hard for like one. <laughs> they deserve it. They earned it. But they act like, you know, the Pistons won the same amount. The Pistons, I think, won two back in like 04, 05 or something like that. Either way. I think they just won 04, right? Okay. But it feels like that Celtics team won like four the way they kind of are celebrated. <laughs> sure. And, um Boston sports have just had it too good for too long, I think. <laughs> the whole decade, every sport's winning. I think it's funny that the mascot, like the live mascot is just like a white guy dressed up like a different kind of white guy. Mm-hmm. Wars, Warriors, <laughs> we, had to, we had to like basically kill our mascot because of another team. So that's, I think the Warriors, uh, you know, there's a lot of annoying tech people, but that's how you're listening to this podcast. You need the Bay Area texting. <laughs> wow. What's Boston? Just pharmaceuticals? You don't, you don't need drugs, man. Every every time they do like those 8K shots of the Boston crowd, it makes me think of that Bill Murray line from Space Jam where he's like, Larry, Larry's not white. Larry's clear. There's <laughs> <laughs> all these ruddy-faced Boston people watching the game. Damn, the Warriors had to get rid of their mascot because of another team? Yeah, because Oklahoma City Thunder and oh. our mascot's name was Thunder. Ooh. There might Actually, this is Thunder on the hat right here. But Yeah, I yeah. remember that guy. There might have been a rebrand of the works anyway. I will say I'm not a big fan of the new rebrand, but I feel like our fan base in the last 10 years, yes, it's been pretty good. And there's a lot of new bandwagon fans, but then there's a lot of the, uh, the OG people that are still in the East Bay that I watched. I went to a game once where Devin George started at center. I paid money for those tickets. So I feel like this is all repentance for that. You guys at least had Paul Pierce and stuff, you know. All right, Josh, why should people root for the Celtics? So, look, I I think you'll never, like you said, Dan, you're never going to go wrong being like the other team's fans are assholes (laughs) because it's literally (laughs) always true. That's true. But here's, this is where I think, because this is not an anti-Warriors take because I don't have many bad things to say about the Warriors. I think they're like a really historically great team and they're, have a dynasty that's going. And I think the reason to root for the Celtics against this great team that uh, an overall very likable, lovable, enjoyable team to watch, right? Plays basketball in a way that is like aesthetically delightful is that when you say Boston's had it too good for too long, you're talking about a team that won a championship, lost a championship because one of their starters kicked the greatest player in the league in the dick in the finals, <laughs> then won two more championships, and then lost a third one because everyone's legs fell off in the finals. <laughs> I will say, as someone that's like not the greatest athlete, but when I jump sometimes and I have both arms in the air, my one leg will will just involuntarily sure. kick out. Dray, a Draymond apologist to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Which I understand, again, as a Marcus Smart apologist. But I will say, the greatest thing for the league and, and for the enjoyment of the sport is for the Celtics to win. And now we know the Warriors are great. We want another great team in that league. Mm. Two teams playing at equal strength, and now they have a worthy adversary. Mm. What is it? The steel sharpened steel? I, I think it is really exciting that the Warriors are really good. And and it's like Clay Thompson being back to close to full health is like really heartening after all those injuries. But to see another team beat them at full strength and then for them to have to rise to the occasion once more and prove that not just are that they're great, but they are enduringly and resiliently great, I think is an exciting narrative. And you get this youth versus experience of the Celtics with players in their mid-20s. I think it's just exciting. It proves that both teams are great and then we should be rooting for greatness. I will say, Josh, that is the, the nicest way to... I guess you weren't really hating another team. But that's that's the nicest thing I've ever heard a Boston <laughs> person say, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I definitely don't 
hate the Warriors. I will say, as someone who cheers for Marcus Smart game after game, I think Draymond Green is like such an incredible, like one of the greatest defensive players of all time, an incredibly brilliant offensive player, even when he's not shoot, especially when he's not shooting. But God, what a joy to watch him play like shit against your team for a couple of games. It's like <laughs> truly, oh, it feels so good. Um, but other than that, it's just like, yeah, they're great. Like when, when Steph hits his seventh three pointer of the night, like with like four inches of space coming off a screen at, at the top of the arc, you're not like, I can't believe this happens. You're like, yeah, I believe this is happening because this is how this is what he does. Yeah, that Steph point is interesting because I've always obviously rooted for him. Obviously, when he goes off, I'm like, this seems like a cheat code. I've never felt like the inverse, like the dread of going against that. Yeah, the closest I could right. think because I remember, you know, I'd always root against the Lakers during the Kobe Shaq era, I, whoever they're playing, the Kings, whoever. Every time Kobe or like Fisher took like a clutch shot in your brain, you're like, that's probably going in. And most yeah. of the time it did. And that dread... I couldn't imagine feeling that just some guy spinning off the dribble from like 32 feet. It's wild because it truly feels like there's he hit one and then Poole hit one. And I think game two, maybe that Jordan Poole, like half court shot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they both I mean, and it wasn't like a heave. It was no, like it was a shot. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and Steph was also hitting from like three quarters that far, four fifths that far. And you're just like, like, if you can hit 40 percent of shots off the dribble like that, there's no defense for it. I was saying to Mike the other day, Steph Curry leads the league in times that I laugh watching basketball. Yeah. Like there are times where he'll hit a shot where I just, I laugh audibly by myself. I'm like, how, how is he doing that? close. No. It's like yeah. him and then like second place by a considerable margin is like peak Dame Lillard, right? Like, right. like John Morant or something. doing John a Morant, yeah, yeah, John Morant too. Catching that out of bounds, the full right, court right, pass. Right. And yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, those are, I bet like, there's just so few where you're just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it is funny because they have these like X's and O's and drawn plays and like basketballs existed for so long. And then, you know, people like Steph come around. It's like, well, why don't why can't I just shoot it really good from this far away? Isn't that viable? <laughs> it's pretty optimal. <laughs> the other side of it there, the other version of it is like and it's not quite as magical, but it is impressive. It's like incredibly impressive is like where no matter where Giannis has the ball, you're like, yeah. he's going to dunk from there. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, oh, he's like backing down from the three-point line, spin one step, he's like elbow in the rim. <laughs> right. I think what's interesting, and I think you see some of it with the Celtics too, is you have two different versions with these two teams of the like, oh, that's a bad shot, but it's actually not. Like yeah. Steph Curry does it in the way where he shoots it so quickly and he can move around so quickly that if he's open for half of a second, he's going to get a shot off. And yep. if he does, that means it's a good shot. Yep. And then I feel like Jason Tatum has a different thing where just because he's so tall, like someone can be all up in his face, but if they're not actively midair jumping by the time he's releasing, it'll look bad where it'll look like someone's defended it, but he's just so big and long that he can just shoot over everybody. And I feel like watching these two teams play it's a lot of your natural tendencies to think like, oh, not a good shot. But then you're like, wait a second. No, Steph could see the basket for yes. 0.5 seconds. It's fine. Or it's like, oh, Jason Tatum can just see over that guy. It's fine. But Tatum has started to like this season. He's shifted his game 25 degrees, I would say, from taking those as like turnaround fadeaways to just like looking a guy in the eye who's like 6'3 and being like, there's just no way you can't reach me <laughs> too small. And it's like. It's made such a difference in his game because when he's just facing up, taking those shots and, and he's so, distributing so much better than he ever has in the past that he's just like weeded out the truly bad, like 
guy shouting Kobe while he throws a crumpled <laughs> up piece, piece of paper yeah. into his office trash can shots. <laughs> a question I had about the vibes of the Celtics, Josh, I know you're a big sneaker guy. Yeah. Jalen Brown recently has signed with Donda Kinda. Sports, yeah. which is Kanye's clothing brand. I didn't know they were even doing sports stuff. How do you feel this is like, what are the pros and cons of this happening? Is he going to play in shoes that are poorly made? Are the vibes of being friends with Kanye going to turn him into a better basketball player? How do you feel as a fan of Jalen Brown? He's going to play in those boots that like go up to his thighs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the giant gap bubble yeah. jacket with no with no zipper. Um, you know, I don't love an alliance with Kanye West at this point in history. I think... <laughs> This is, I'm really stepping in it here, but I think there's, when you're talking about polarizing figures in American culture, right? I think there is someone like Kyrie Irving, whose politics exist on an axis where there's some stuff that he does that's really unpopular that I'm like, yeah, but he's probably right. And then there's some stuff that he does that's really unpopular. I'm like, yeah, he's definitely wrong. Um, (laughs) But with Kanye West, I feel like his like, Trump supporting like I feel like he's aligned his public persona and, and and the way he's kind of treated Kim and their divorce his he's aligned his public persona in a way that I'm like I don't know what there is really to agree with anymore and the music's not as good as it used to be so mm-hmm. there's not even that I don't mean to um yeah but you know I just feel like it's a weird alliance to form in 2022 by the way for our listeners that that is the meanest Josh is able yeah. to be. that's you just heard it that was it I will say on the the shoe uh, brand thing, I feel like the entire Warriors core is uh, you got Steph on Under Armour, I think Draymond's on Converse, and then Clay's on Anta. The Chinese company, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when I was in Shanghai, I went to the Anta store, and it's just Clay. And this is when he was out with ACL, <laughs> but it's just they're really banking on Clay real hard. Did they sign Gordon Hayward within the last couple of years? That or, or lead kneeing, one of those. Just targeting people who've had severe injuries. Yeah. <laughs> That whole squad. Oof, oof. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think I feel like Steph is so popular with kids that mm-hmm. like Under Armour, I think, is like uh, we're like those are bad shoes. <laughs> those are like ugly yeah. looking shoes. And mm-hmm. I think kids are like Steph rules these kind of rules. Yeah. I mean, they have Steph and Joel Embiid, which is just an incredible amount of yeah. it's just an incredible combination of different styles of players and different personalities like Steph is very wholesome and talks about God and Jesus and family and Joel Embiid tweets pictures of people he's dunked over and says get wrecked (laughs) (laughs) there was that story that's like uh Dale Curry Steph's like dad and his Mm -hmm. well his dad and his mom divorced and now they are respectfully dating like Dale's dating a woman who used to be married to the guy that his his mom is dating they did like a wife swap situation. Whoa. No way. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't that, know that. I know they all were at the game in different yeah, places. Yeah, but it's like but... The basically like two divorced couples swapping. And wow. uh, in my head, huh. maybe that's why Steph is playing so well is, uh, you know, you got to take your mind off that and just start jacking threes up. Or he's just, hey, maybe he's feeling at ease. Maybe he's just happy for his parents. That's yeah. true. They are. Yeah. Find in love again. Yeah. That could be. That could be. <laughs> I think there was a story about Steph uh, when he was meeting with shoe companies that I think he yes. was like Nike, right? That he went in mm-hmm. and it was like some assistant's assistant meeting with him and called him Steven. It was, I, I heard that it was on a deck. Oh, yeah, like it was man. on a presentation deck. I can understand mispronouncing it maybe. I mean, that's terrible. But oh. His name was misspelled and I want to say they had copy pasted 
a PowerPoint presentation addresses someone else and like one of the slides, like they didn't change all oh, of the I things. Didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know if it like had someone's name, but like, it, let's say it was appealing to a guy on the Knicks and it had something about like their New York office. And it was like, <laughs> well, Steph plays on the, you know, something like that, where it was in addition to spelling his name wrong. They also like another slide they could tell that it was made copy pasted from someone else and then they didn't you know properly control f and replace with Oof, so yeah. insulting yeah. it's incredibly insulting so i'm glad that he's like gone full revenge and turned nike into a company yeah. as someone who's worked off his jobs i also like i get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've all copied and pasted a thing or two in our game. yeah we've all <laughs> sent an email and you know copy pasted from an email from someone else and didn't change the dear whoever or you forward it and that's down at the bottom still oh. like that ghost email from the past <laughs> is just lurking down there <laughs> now for each of you i think something that fun happens in the final sometimes is you have big notable people that root for the teams being courtside at the games i feel like for the celtics we've seen paul pierce Living it up, courtside, cheering. Paul Pierce, his vibe is like truly. It's I. It's the same energy. Like I remember the first time after I graduated high school and like did one semester of college and had come back to like my old drama clubs rehearsal to be like, "What's up?" Like that's his energy. Is like super senior. Yeah. I feel like the way Paul Pierce acts in retirement is exactly how I would act if I was Paul Pierce in retirement. Yeah, like he's he doing everything. Like he's having a good time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he got basically fired for. ESPN for doing a bunch of drugs and Instagram living it. He had that weird party <laughs> with mm-hmm. with like the strippers in just like kind of a like gamer basement. It felt like. Yeah, <laughs> like a big warehouse, like yeah. looked like you would rent it out for someone's I don't know bar mitzvah or something. <laughs> yeah, like, it was an interesting locale, and he certainly meant to put it on Instagram friends only or close friends. Underrated Celtics fan. I I, I I'm sorry to interrupt because maybe you're getting to this. Oh no, please do. Gucci Mane. Oh, really? Interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's been to a lot of the games. He's like a legitimate Celtics fan, it seems like, which is like, thank goodness. <laughs> we can't just coast on Wahlbergs forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there notable people showing up for the Warriors? I know E40, E-40. usually shows oh. up, Dan. And that's talk about the opposite of Kanye. If anyone said they didn't like E40, I, I would be very confused. Oh, yeah. He's ultimately lovable. I like that E40's glasses aesthetic is Mrs. Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of his body aesthetic as well, but yeah. <laughs> one I like that I haven't seen him this year, but I know that he's a Bay Area native and he's been there before is uh, Guy Fieri. Ooh. Oh, yeah, he he has been. He has been at, yeah. I think, some of the games and someone had a photo of him and he was wearing a ring that was in the style of a championship ring. And someone thought, oh, my goodness, did the Warriors give him a championship ring? And then they zoomed in and it's a guy's grocery games yeah. championship oh, ring. Rules. That's so awesome. <laughs> it rules so much. Like... <laughs> Some would say a more meaningful ring. Yeah. Arguably. arguably. I, I put an asterisk over his championship. <laughs> I think the We Believe year, we had a lot of bandwagon. I think more bandwagon then than now. I remember Jessica Alba, Snoop, who's mm-hmm. a fan of, I guess, every team. That's that's how I feel. Drake has become that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. I just like champagne, man. I go where the champagne is. I like that Drake has somehow worked his way into like, now he's just like, part of the Raptors front off. I mean, not officially, mm-hmm. but he was for a point in time. Oh, and was he? he so okay. he officially became they gave him some B 
BS title, like the like ambassador, like global basketball ambassador or something. He was the global basketball ambassador to the Raptors. And then he got fined because he rapped a nice thing about Corey Joseph in a song. Yeah. And you're not allowed to do that because you work for the Raptors. It's so then they had to like discreetly fire him <laughs> because he wasn't allowed to just do whatever. But then he did. I think he sponsored their practice facility. It's okay. like the OVO sponsored facility. So he's still a part of it, but I think they just had to take him off the payroll. And maybe Drake did it. Maybe he was like, hello, I would love to keep rapping about basketball players and not get fined $100,000 every time Yikes. I do. Can you please fire me, guys? I wish rappers would like sponsor college buildings and just be like the E40 biological scientist building or something. <laughs> Can I also just say that Drake's basketball game is trash? Uh, anyone he's scoring on doesn't seem to be guarding him. It's like oh, when yeah. it's like when Obama used to play with people. It's like, what are you gonna stuff Obama? Yeah, you're gonna foul the president hard on a fast <laughs> break, make him earn it at the stripe. <laughs> Dylan Brooks just like takes Obama's legs out from under him. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. All right, we have come to the portion of this podcast where I'm going to let each of you talk a little bit about your impressions of the series thus far and what is going to happen in the next two or possibly three games. So right now, as we record this, the series has flip-flopped after every game. The Celtics won games one and three. The Warriors won games two and four. Uh, So, Dan, I'm going to start with you. What are your impressions on the series thus far and what is going to happen by the time people listen to this? Yeah, I think... um, Kind of like what I said earlier, it's always hard for me to be confident in any of my teams. I feel like... Last game, even though we won, some made shots here, some missed shots there. I feel like Wiggins rebounding was huge. We needed that. Uh, I think someone even talked about yet. Yeah, Robert Williams the third has been destroying us every time, time he's Lord, out baby. there. Jalen's been good. Tatum has yet to really have like a signature Tatum game. I'm wondering if he's hurt. If there's a game where Jalen and Tatum, and then you know someone else goes off, you know Grant Williamson three something like that, I could see Celtics pulling in the win at home. I think we take tonight, the one game five. I think we got some momentum. Celtics haven't lost two in a row, but I think going back, feel good. Clay seems to be kind of getting it back. He usually gets rolling at this time. And then game seven, I think it's, it feels like a coin flip, but back home, and I feel like we've done it before. I got to go Warriors. Well, I have to say that I go Warriors. I so you think the Celtics win game six back in Boston and then the Warriors win back Yeah, home I think the seven. Celtics definitely, I think they got one more in them, but... I think we take home, take care of the home court advantage. All right. So Warriors in seven is the pick from Dan Yang. Over to you, Josh. Okay. Like Dan, I don't feel like I'm speaking with a great degree of kind of uh, swaggering confidence here, (laughs) but I agree with Dan that the Celtics will win one of the next two games. I think what I've seen so far is Steph Curry is clearly the most dominant offensive player on the court, unstoppable. To put on my like actual watching the games and like thinking about like strategy or like, you know, what's happened on the court. I think if the Celtics can keep their turnovers under 15 a game, the whole series becomes a coin flip. And it, but if they're throwing the ball all over the place, they're not even making Steph work because they're not making him work on defense if they're turning the ball over and he's leaking out in transition and getting like open open threes and so i think if they i think they're going to win one of the next two and then if if they can keep turnovers below 15 in game seven i think they can win it on the road so even though my brain does not feel confident that they will do this (laughs) by logic and experience 
I my heart is in charge of my mouth and I'm going to say Celtics in seven. <laughs> yes, I love this. I also love we did a previous episode. It wasn't about the finals, but it was when the Malice in the Palace was going on. And we also had a fan from each team. Mm-hmm. And when we did that one. It was the most combative guests on this podcast have ever been. And I feel like this one, you guys have been the most respectful and most cautiously optimistic. Well, you have to understand Tom Takar and Nate Fritzen are, are just ter- <laughs> terrible people. Both of them. I mean, we got what we expected with that one. I mean, when you're uh, when you're talking about it, so the Detroit Pistons won one and the, the 08 Celtics won one. And I was thinking like the people of Detroit, a famously humble yeah, city yeah. Of, <laughs> of people who aren't still like, but 89, baby. <laughs> also, if you, you can, you know, get us on the Patreon layer or something with like eight beers in me, uh, maybe I'll have a different tone, but yeah, right yeah, now yeah. I'm level-headed. I feel like, Josh, I feel like you would be like a casting nightmare on the real world where they would just like try to create drama for you and they'd be like, he's not going for it. <laughs> I'm going to keep being polite and never get real. That's my promise <laughs> as a cast member on the real world. That legit, one of my friends from college is a very, very nice person and he was on The Bachelor music spinoff one listen oh, to your heart yep. and he was just barely on the show at all they just didn't put clips of him up and i texted him like yo why aren't you on at all and he was like they wanted me to be mean in the interviews and i just didn't want to do that <laughs> so they just like he wasn't on the show because he was nice that yep. shit happens yep well there's no it's not good tv not as somebody right. who's almost never allowed to be on television it's <laughs> not an interesting perspective ted lasso worked though the nice people show can ted work lasso, in true. certain That's circumstances true. and it all it takes is a worldwide pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so before we let you both go uh dan anything to plug where can people follow you um yeah you can follow me on twitter and instagram and i guess tiktok which i have neglected severely but maybe people watch but uh at real dan yang uh, I also have a monthly show at the stand called Secret Family, uh, if you would find that. And otherwise, just out in the circuit, baby. I'm just on the circuit. Hell yeah. <laughs> and Josh, how about you? I am at Josh Gondelman on Twitter and Instagram, really considering a TikTok for stand-up clips. And mm. I think legally I'm too old. <laughs> I don't think they'll let me on. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel the same way. But I've got an, an hour stand-up special that's coming to all the kind of YouTube, Comcast, uh, Google Play, like all those like streaming platforms um, on June 21st. It's called People Pleaser. Um, and it's it's an hour of cinema. It's like some bits that I've done for a while that I've never done on TV before. And then a bunch of new stuff that probably even people who have heard of me, which is very few people haven't seen. Um, so that's that's going to happen, too. Amazing. That's going to uh, be available, I believe, the day after this episode drops. Hell so, yeah. Perfect timing. So go get it. Once you're done watching the NBA finals, you know, either come down from the euphoria of your team winning <laughs> or cheer up from the doldrums of your team losing you I with you my new hour-long stand-up special. Hell yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you both for uh, for joining us. And uh, I guess best of luck the rest of the way. As a fan who's somewhat ambivalent, I actually picked Celtics in seven before the series. Shubes picked... Warriors and six. We'll see how it plays out. Both of those things seem reasonable. I don't know. Could happen. It could, but... it could happen. Sam J. when I came on Jesus and Marrow and they do the neon signs at the end of the interview, that's just like your mantra or whatever. And Sam picked Celtics in six as their neon sign. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic. You love it. Well, thank you both so much. We'll see how the rest of these games turn out, but let's hope for the most fun basketball possible. Wow. What a fun interview. And shout out to Dan Yang.
rooter of the victorious warriors who won in six, just like I predicted. Yes, Look how confident I was. I never wavered true. any min- minute at all. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the four of us, you were the only person who correctly predicted the series. Both Dan and Josh picked their respective teams to win in seven, which I think is uh, emblematic of how polite and cordial that entire conversation was. They both gave flowers to the other teams, which... Is that necessarily what I expected? I don't know. From Josh, sure. From Dan, who can say? Dan's a nice guy, but you know, I feel like Dan has the ability to get chippier than I've seen Josh get. Nevertheless, it was a super fun interview. And now we can officially talk about what actually happened in the finals. If you have somehow been living under a rock or you just don't watch basketball that much, which is totally fine. The Warriors won in game six. I was very much hoping for a game seven, uh, just because I love basketball and I'm going to miss the NBA Mm -hmm. for this summer. Uh, But the Warriors won in game six. Steph Curry has won his fourth championship and he finally won a finals MVP. Very well deserved. Congrats to Steph, a.k.a. Chef Curry. Uh, Just a a really fun finals overall. What were your thoughts? It was really fun. I also would have loved if the series went to seven for more basketball. But then I saw that the guy who's in charge of Barstool was courtside in Boston. And once I saw that on the camera, I thought, all right, the Warriors have to win this game. And they did. And I'm glad. I hope he's still sad. (laughs) Even when the episode comes out, I hope hope he's still sad. But for the series itself, it was really fun. And as we had talked about in previous episodes, a lot of the things that we wanted in our three-on-three happened. We still had a really good Al Horford game. We had Andrew Wiggins proving some people wrong. You're mispronouncing it. It's Al Horford. Yeah. I, I, Mark Jackson is really testing the limits of how different can you pronounce Al Horford and us still know <laughs> who you're talking about via context clues. <laughs> it's just combinations <laughs> of syllables at this point that roughly sound like Al Horford. We had some of the things that we predicted happen, which is really cool. I am very happy for Steph to have the finals MVP so that he can silence the haters. He did have one point in the celebrations where he screamed, what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? While champagne Amazing. is being poured all over around him. Clay Thompson had a really impactful interview where he talked about, you know, fighting back from injury to get to where he was and how even... He was surprised at how quickly the Warriors were able to get back in the running for the finals. And he ended this interview by saying that he was on cloud 109, not just cloud nine. And then he said, holy cannoli, holy cannoli. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what would pair well with Jimmy Butler's coffee would be a holy cannoli. So I I, I sense a a collab coming up here. I mean, it would be pretty, pretty good, but it was it was really cool. I, I really am happy for the Warriors. I think it is such an interesting situation where we have this dynasty, a legitimate dynasty, four championships in how many years? Eight. Eight years? Four four and eight, yeah. Legitimate dynasty, no question about it. And they went from being so hated because they were overpowered when they had Kevin Durant to now being weirdly underdoggy and very likable. It's impressive how they were able to flip the script. Right, and what's interesting about it, and I hadn't thought about it till just now, is that you look at the year that they were 73-9 and and ended up losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers after that epic comeback. And that was a year where everyone in the world predicted them to win and they didn't get it done. And then you look at this year as the complete opposite, a year where no one really took them seriously, even once the playoffs began. And here they are on top. And I would think in some ways it kind of makes up for how disappointing that must have been to have lost in 2016. Yeah, I think for this core group to get their fourth ring, I feel like it just washes away any sort of sadness that they have about that disappointing finals loss. And that's really cool. And it's just nice for some of the quote-unquote narratives to now be 
squashed where people were saying Steph couldn't win a ring without a good team around him or, you know, injuries or Kevin Durant, all this kind of stuff. Like, I'm glad that can be put to rest. Clay Thompson getting his way back into playing shape and having some good games because people were even saying, oh, he's having a bad playoffs. He's not that good. He had some good games. That's great. Even Draymond started off the series kind of rough and ended up having some good games towards the end. So, I'm I'm just happy for those guys and hopefully there's not as much negative stuff being brought to the Celtics because Jason Tatum didn't have a great series, but there is a long history of star players not doing well in their first NBA finals and hopefully people can give him the benefit of the doubt there and the patience there. I still think it was a great series from the Celtics. A lot of the games were close, even this game six. I don't think that they should hang their heads because no one expected them to be there this early, especially the way they started the season. No, so I would hope that not. there's not as much negativity thrown towards them because they're young and some people played well and even those who didn't are going to be fine. Right. And and the good news for Tatum is that Boston fans are notoriously calm and understanding. Mm-hmm. Just the most patient, caring group of folks. <laughs> to be fair, there are some Celtics fans. Any Celtics fan we have interacted with on horse is very nice. So we're not talking about you, we promise. <laughs> how did you feel with how the finals ended and the celebrations and post-game interviews began, et cetera? I, I loved it. And it was cool to see Steph that emotional. Um, I, I feel like it's more emotional than he has been after any other championship, even possibly his first. And I think it's because of how much they've overcome as a team. And I don't think mm -hmm. people understand the sacrifice that goes into playing at that level. To be as good of a player as Steph is, particularly as good of a shooter as he is, that is a direct result of him working his ass off constantly. That does not happen by accident. It's one of those things where he makes it look so effortless that I think sometimes people forget about how much work goes into it. And it's it's really cool. I. I Despite picking the Celtics, which was just my best guess as to how the series would go, I, I did want the Warriors to win. They're a, an exceedingly likable team, and frankly, the Celtics are too. I just I, I have less distaste for Warriors fans than I have for Celtics fans, so I think that kind of uh, informed my opinion. But yeah, overall, we did get to see a lot of the things we wanted. We got to see Steph have a signature series. Not that he hasn't before, but uh, in particular, we got to see Horford have a great series. Um, his his wife on Twitter congratulated the quote bitch ass warriors and then said I'm salty I'm not taking anything back I don't think she dislikes the warriors I think she was just sad that her husband didn't win but it was very funny we got to see Gary Payton get into some games after coming back from a really awful injury um, right. that could have that could have ended the season and hopefully he'll get some money in the off season he's certainly worked his ass off as well. Um, but yeah, overall, we got to see some some really cool moments. We we got to see the you know non star players have some pretty incredible stuff happening with Jordan Poole with two amazing buzzer beaters. The first one from mm -hmm. half court in game one or two, and then the other one uh, that kind of banker that was possibly even more impressive. So mm -hmm. overall, really really fun stuff. Yeah, and now free agency. It's going to begin soon and the draft and it just it doesn't stop, which I love. Yeah, the draft is going to be very, very soon. I'm nervous for my New York Knickerbockers. We'll see how all of that goes. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But I think it was a really fun series and something that I really liked from both teams. And this is how we can end it, where we're giving praise to both teams, is that there's lots of good dad representation here in terms of players' dads being there. So mm -hmm. Al Horford's dad, who always wears Al Horford jersey to the games and is really mm -hmm. excited. That's awesome. 
obviously Steph's parents were there and are always being shown on camera. Del Curry being a former player, it's really cool to see his son be so great at basketball and truly put the whole team on his back. And I think that's another reason why Steph got so emotional is just he was truly the focal point for a lot of the games this season. Also, the players bringing their sons and children out at different points. Deuce Tatum just like is always around. Like he's there when they're warming up. He's there in the locker room. He's courtside. He's everywhere. You had Draymond Green have his son DJ up on the place where they do the interviews at that table. And after one of his games with his son sitting next to him, Draymond said he played like shit, which is very fun. Uh, and then obviously <laughs> Steph's kids are adorable. Al Horford brought his kids out to the court, I think after the first game when Al Horford had his really, really solid game. So there was lots of good parenting on display in the finals. And that made my heart grow. And I think that that is something we can all agree on. Win or lose, everyone seems like they're doing a great job with their families. And that's cool. Yeah, I think that's a really nice note to end on as we post this the day after Father's Day. So happy Father's Day yes. to our dads. We had them on the podcast last year. It was a lot of fun. My dad told a story about uh, inadvertently almost murdering someone with a cricket bat. It was a great time. We'll post the link again on Father's Day. It was great. Yes, it was great. This finals was great. Thankfully, the draft is very soon and the WNBA season is still going on. Officially, Suber's last season. She made it official, 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 which I think is okay. Caw, what I expected. We can caw, talk about this next caw. time. Sad, sad, sad bird noises. <laughs> but it's okay. Bird noises we anticipated. At least she made it clear that this, there was a high price probability this was her final season now she's just making it super clear and now i'm very glad i got tickets to see her she's making it super clear super clear just really hoping she stays healthy that's what we have to root for at this point i did get really nervous when i got tagged in a lot of things with sue bird and people having sad faces i was like don't you tell me sue bird got injured and yeah, was very yeah, happy yeah, that yeah, it was yeah. just the announcement so we'll talk about all this stuff in the future for sure now since she is the GOAT, does that mean that she's going to retire and then come back three years later and be much worse at basketball for a much less interesting team? I hope not. I think she's done enough and will feel accomplished. And I don't think she's going to have any of the, the itchiness based on recent podcast interviews. I don't think she's yeah. going to retire and come back. I think she knows this is it. I, I think so, too. And for anyone who's wondering what the hell I'm talking about, uh, that refers to Michael Jordan retiring twice, but the second time after what would have been a perfect ending coming back to play for the Washington Wizards. But it allowed you to see Michael Jordan live in person, so. Actually, it did not. I saw him in person oh, with the Bulls, the and then I had oh, tickets to see him with the Wizards, injured. and he was injured, much like we are hoping does not happen for you seeing Sue Bird later this year. I'm going to put that into the universe. Let's put that into the universe, and let's put this episode to rest. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horror Sources, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Misha Stanton. The music is by Bettina Kampamanis. The art is by Alison Wigman. The social media is by both of the Horse Boys, and the website is by Kelly Schubert. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, He Sells Seashells, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Long-Suffering Timberwolves fan, Roast Beef Debris, Kay the Conqueror, Basketball is Life 2, Michaela Loves Allison, Denver Steamed Nuggets, Anna Borjali, Weird Questions, Chris Rossi, Mitch Chrysler, Steph Curry for four rings. Bang. Mono Ginobili, and now Nicole Arsenault. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops is only on cloud 108 and you got to be on cloud 109 like Clay. We got to up our game a little bit. I, I think you're totally right. Um, go to our website, horsehoops.com for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, including possibly Al Horford's wife being <laughs> salty. 
<laughs> and if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash horse hoops, where we have video finals recaps of every single game. Adam and I hopped on Zoom and talked about what we liked, what was fun, all of that. It's accessible to all patrons. So at any tier, if you go to patreon.com slash horse hoops, you can watch those videos. It's a fun time. But we're going to close this episode out as we do every episode by saying something on the count of three. I feel like we have to say holy cannoli on the count of three. Yep. Couldn't be more on board. Great. One, two, three. Holy, holy cannoli. cannoli.